<laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Man, there's a, there's, must have been a cracking day, hey? Everyone's, everyone's hitting the beach. We can hit the beach after this. I feel like God really has something for us in, in what we've been doing in this book, in, sorry, this letter of Ephesians. And it's very interesting to me what God's been revealing through this time when I've been, as I've been reading through this. So has, did anyone go home and read the book? Sorry, the letter after Brad preached last Sunday. Ephesians. Couple people getting a nod from Jenny. Couple people. I want to challenge us. I was thinking of something through the week, and I, it's unfortunate that most of you guys here are diligent disciples. But I was thinking during the week, you know, if, if I was to stand up and bring three or four terrible sermons, people would start to get upset. I had a conversation with someone during the week and they said to me, oh, I'm thinking of looking for a new church because the teaching just isn't quite up to par. And I, I understand that if you're not growing, it's difficult to sit in the house. But the flip side of that is that when there is good teaching, we don't tend to do very much with it. And this book, as I'm going to show you this morning, is a book written to, sorry, a letter written to us to, to equip us in the body to go out and do something with it. So I want to challenge us, myself included, that we can hear a cracking sermon and we feel good and we say that, that was a good sermon, but then we don't do anything with it. We don't go home and read it. We don't meditate on it. We don't ask God to reveal more to us. We kind of just go, it was a good sermon. It doesn't call us to action, but a bad sermon calls us to action to go and look for another church. That's terrible. Yes, ma'am. Not here, no. <laughs> Mary, if they do, I'm sending them to you. If they, if they say it's bad teaching Mary, I'm sending them to you. Straight to Mary. Don't talk to me about it. Go and see Mayors. <laughs> you get them, Mary. But what I want to challenge us in is that we've had it the wrong way around for so long. We look for the bad things, but when the good things are in front of us, and I'm, I'm, I'm pumping Brad up more than I am anybody else. Brad brought a cracking sermon last week and he brought us to a place where we should feel challenged in the word to go and actually do something with it. So I want to challenge you. When you see, when you hear a good sermon, I don't, it doesn't matter where it comes from, whether it's on YouTube, don't let it just tickle your ears and you feel a bit good for a little bit. Go and ask God to show you more. Go and meditate on it. That's not a scary thing. Meditation was in God before it was in anything else. Go and read the scriptures. Read the first verse and just sit there and say, God, what in the world are you trying to say here? This week I, I did that in, in a big way and God highlighted so many things to me. My notes are going to be all over the place because I have things scribbled and written down that aren't going to make sense and I'm going to read them and go, I don't know what that means now. But, so please forgive me for that. But I, I really wanted to challenge us to allow a good sermon, allow the word that's been highlighted to change your life. That's why we're here. Is that okay? Is anyone upset? Fantastic. I like it. The other thing I wanted to highlight is that you will pick up, as guys preach from this pulpit, different gifts, different ways of doing things. I'm not Brad. Brad's not me. As we do more series like this and we bounce from different people to different people, you're going to see different ways of, of looking at the scriptures, different ways of going through things. There's ones that we will like and we'll take two more. Don't discard the others. If you like the way that I 
preach something, don't discard the other gifts that come forward. Allow them, they're the, they're the gifts that don't really speak to you. You've got to challenge yourself to hear what they're saying. Vice versa, if you only like Brad's preaching, allow another gift to come in and, and challenge you on that place. If we, if we only have one person preaching from here, what tends to happen is the church tends to lean on that person and they're only a human, they will let you down. What we want to do is lead all of us back into the Scriptures and say, this is where you put your faith and your hope. We'll show you stuff and we'll lead you along the way, but we've got to keep going back to this. Lean on the Scriptures because that's where we find hope. That's where we find guarantee. Is that okay? Fantastic. I like to look at the background of a letter, the writer, before I go into the book. The reason I do that is that I find it gives us so much context to understand why the person wrote the way they wrote into that place. Paul's letter to the Ephesians is incredible because the Ephesian church is the church that we know the most about in the Scriptures. It's the church that's written about the most. It's the most. Um, it, it takes us deeply into the understanding of the church. Acts 18.20 is written about Ephesians. 1, Timothy, 1 and 2 Timothy are written to Timothy, who's in Ephesus, to the Ephesian church. Revelation chapter 2 is written about the church in Ephesus. We see so much in this letter that Paul writes. It's almost like it's Paul's map, I guess, as to how we operate inside the church. The interesting thing that I found while I was reading through this is a lot of scholars for a while refuted whether or not Paul actually wrote this text. There is incredible amounts of evidence to say that he did write it. But the most interesting thing, the reason they challenged it, was because Paul doesn't address this letter to anybody. If you go with me to Ephesians, if you haven't already got it open, go to the very first Ephesians 1, chapter 1. In the greeting, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Who are the saints? The people, right? He's not writing this to the leadership. He's not writing this to the elders, to the deacons. He's not writing it to a specific person. He's writing it to the people. So as we read this letter, we read it as if it's been written to us, right? to, to a people, I love this because Paul removes the fact of, well, that's not for me. He's calling it to the saints. He's saying to you, the people who are in Christ, these are the things I'm about to bring you into. So when we read this, we have to read this from a position of uh, an equipping into the body for us to actually go and do something. While Paul, when Paul went in and planted the church, when he was, when he was in Ephesus, they had the largest temple to date that we can see of a pagan god. It was the largest. It was one of the most incredible. It's actually one of the um, man-made wonders of the world I was researching, which was incredible. But it was a temple that was for a pagan god. And they worshipped a meteorite or a rock that looked like a woman's breast and they would make little carvings of this, and they worshipped a goddess named Diana. This is interesting to me because Paul was coming into a, spiritual, a spiritually hostile place, and he was about to start preaching the fact that the saints had the upper hand in that spiritual battle. So I'm going to unpack a few things 
this morning. But what I want you to understand is that this place, when you read what Paul writes to those in Ephesus, he's writing against the worship, strong pagan worship of another God. That God being a, a woman and being the fact that she ruled in that place spiritually. Is that okay? That all makes sense because when you read things like Paul's letters to Timothy, you start to understand why he was calling out the, the ways women were doing things, what they were covering with their heads, the way that they were speaking, their hair, because they were worshipping in that. It was a pagan worship that they were doing. It wasn't because women shouldn't speak in the church. It wasn't because women should be put down. He was calling out the worship of a pagan god. We sometimes we don't take that into account when we read Paul's letters and then we say to the, to the women in the church, you must wear head coverings, you can't speak, because we actually misunderstand what Paul was doing in that. He was challenging a spiritual dimension. Is that okay? Okay, go with me to uh, Ephesians 3. So if you haven't heard Paul, uh, Paul, if you haven't heard Brad's sermon from last week, go and listen to it. I'm not going to go back over the things that he went over. He established for us an understanding of a spiritual dimension, the what the principalities and the powers were, and and what's taking place today in our cultures, in our cities, that there is a spiritual war going on. There's a battle and there's, there's something as believers we have to do. That's what Paul is calling the saints in Ephesus to stand up and be in that place. So Ephesians 3. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you, the Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. So we heard... We heard uh, Brad say last week, Paul tells them who he is, tells them the authority by which he's speaking. And then in Ephesians 3, we see him reiterate that authority, assuming that he, they'd heard the stewardship that God, God's grace had given Paul to speak on the matters. He says, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mysteries of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So just stop there. Paul is here bringing the Gentiles into the covenantal understanding of the Jewish people. This would have been absolutely mind-boggling for the Gentiles in this time because they weren't like the Jews. They weren't allowed to step into the same things that the Jews were promised because they weren't Jews. But there was clearly a misunderstanding in the place that what Jesus had done through his blood brought those people into that place. Just quickly go with me back to um, Ephesians 2. Just go back one page, if it's a page, or press left on your device. <laughs> Ephesians 2, verse 13, 14, and 15, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, 
and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now, when we read that today, it's a difficult thing to understand. I, I read through that and I thought, man, I don't understand what the hostility is that he's talking about. And I don't understand what it is the dividing wall is that he's talking about. What dividing wall? So I, I went on a little bit of a uh, YouTube journey and then a little bit of a Google journey. And I came up with some things I'm going to show you now. And God showed me something through some of the, the archaeological studies that I was on that absolutely changed the way that I saw this verse. So Brenda, can you show me that picture, please? Boom. This piece of rock or piece of wall was found by archaeologists. They still have this rock today in some country that I can't remember the name of it, a something stand. Um, they have this rock, pieces of this rock that were found. And they found one in its wholeness, this is it. And it has the writings on this. They found this in uh, the, the temple of Jesus in Jerusalem. And this is what was written when you when you bring those words into English, it says this, foreigners must not enter inside the balustrade or into the forecourt around the sanctuary. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. This wall divided the Gentiles and the Jews in their temple courts, place of worship. It was around the outside of the temple courts. The Gentiles were allowed to come, but they were not allowed to cross this wall into the temple to worship God with the Jews. Now, when Jesus came and he died on the cross, we see, that the, we see that the curtain was ripped into allowing the Jewish people to go into the inner court. The Jews took, what we see happening is that was never ever given to the Gentiles. There was no freedom given to the Gentiles to actually step in and worship God, even though that had happened. So Paul comes into the place and he says, no, you Gentiles have been brought into the same freedom that was given to the Jews, the same place of worship that was given to the Jews. The wall of hostility was the breakdown between the Jew and the Gentile. Now, I know that sounds very, not very exciting, but to me, I read that and I was like, flip, that's exciting. Because that's for us. We get to see the freedom and the wholeness of Christ because when he died on the cross, he brought us into a wholeness place with him and the fullness of what he has for us. That's why when you read on in that verse, it says that we get brought into reconciles that he might create himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He removes whether or not you're in or out and he brings us to a place where he says, no, if you believe in me and you give yourself to me, you come in me and I in you and from that place I will show you how to match what's happening in your city, in your area. Paul writes to the Corinthians in, a, in another area talking about sexual immorality, but he writes and he says to remind them, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own? You know, when we step into salvation with God, I believe it's, it's, a, part of, it's a part of our salvational covenant to, to be baptized in water. That, bap, that baptism is death to your old self and resurrection in Christ into that one body that he's talking about. So we actually bring ourselves to a place where we go, God, I'm giving myself up. I'm laying myself down to die and I'm going to raise with you and I'm going to fight with you in what you have for me. Man, that's that generation. I love that song we were singing this morning. 
where we long to be with God. I want to see a generation, my generation, the generation before me that longs to be with you, Jesus, that understands who we are in you. Yeah, it, it gets me emotional because this is so important. It's so important. And I struggle in a, in a big way. I pray to God often, show me, show me your wisdom and your peace. Because when I see people struggling with the things of this world, I'm like, if only you knew. If only you knew that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that God gave in you, that that's the thing that flows out from you. That when you walk into a room, you're carrying God the Creator in you. That when you speak to that person, when you, when you are faced with a trial, there's God the creator in you that was given to you because of what Jesus did. That he removed that hostility that said you're a nobody. He removed the breakdown of the, the, the thing that divides us from his presence. And he says, I give you all that I am. All you have to do is die, lay down yourself, and I'll give you all that I am. It's important for us to understand that because when I read this next verse in Ephesians 3, I was challenged in a big way. If we don't understand who we are, we can't do what, what Paul asks us to do in Ephesians 3. A part of what we're trying to do with this house is to get us to understand who we are, who's God said that we are, so that we can go forth and complete what, what we're about to see in this next verse. And I read it, I was sitting at my desk, and I read this next verse, and I, I said, God, I don't know that we can do that right now. I don't know that we're ready for that. Because what, what he's asked us to do, what, what Paul says that is the work of the church, is huge. But we've got to get this thing. We've got to understand, man, I, God, I am yours and you are mine. The rest of the stuff doesn't matter. The rest of the stuff that we, we quarrel and fight about, the rest of the stuff that we, we whinge and grime about, is, is, it doesn't matter. I know that it's difficult. It's difficult when, when someone's being a pain in the bum and you've got to love that guy. Or it's difficult when you don't want to get up and drag yourself to, to work and put on the happy smile and, and the face and be a joy in that place because you're tired and you're cranky. But it's at those times where, where we actually get to go to the Father and say, I, I need help right now in this. The amount of times I'll be driving to a, a, a meeting or, or I'll be driving to something that I'm, I have to go to, or, and, and I'll sit in the car and say, God, I need your help here. I don't want to be in this meeting. I don't want to talk to this guy, or I don't want to have to be the light in the room in this place because there's so much darkness in there. But, you know, when we lean on God in those moments and we start to understand the fullness of what that means, that that wall of hostility has been removed, that veil torn open, that we get to have the inner sanctum, the inner courts of the Creator God, then we start to understand, okay, that's, this thing's easy. I've got to go in there and just love the dude? Right, I'm on. Let's go. But we've got to understand that first. Now you're all dying to know what the next part of Ephesians 3 is. We're going. We're getting there. Uh, the mystery of generations has now been revealed. Is, uh, yep. 3.7. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gifts of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. I love that Paul Brakes says that. I'm the least of you. I'm the least to be bringing this to you, but God's told me, so I'm bringing it to you. I'm the very least of all the saints. This grace was 
was given to preach to the Gentiles because Paul wasn't a Gentile, he was a Jew. And he's calling the Gentiles into a place. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul's job was to take the unsearchable riches of Christ. Do you know why they're unsearchable? Because it's God who reveals them to us. If you're just reading this thing without an understanding of the Holy Spirit, you're going to come across the unsearchable things of God. You're not going to find them in there because it's God who reveals them to us. That's why I say to guys all the time, ask, pray before you read the Scriptures. God, show me. Show me the things that are unsearchable in you. Show me the things that I can't see with my own um, fleshly eyes. Show me in your spirit what you're saying in this place. Because the, then the unsearchable things start to, to, to unveil. I love when I hear a new sermon of something I've never heard before. Because I'm like, this, this, these scriptures have been around for a very long time. Guys have been preaching out of these for a very long time. And yet new things and new things and new things start coming out. And you're going, what is happening? The Spirit is revealing the unsearchable things of Christ. That's why when we say there's no new sermons, there is new sermons. There is new things starting to be unveiling because the Spirit is unlocking and showing the things that come through in that. To me, though, I'm the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mysteries hidden for, eight, for the ages in God. Sorry, I'll read that again. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Let me read that again. So through the church, who's the church? The ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones who gather, us, the people, the saints. Remember, Paul's writing this to the saints, that the church, that through the church, through us, the manifold, more than one, multiple, multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. If you read that in the King James Version and you break down the words, they're the same words that Paul uses to say the principalities and the powers. I was reading a commentary on this uh, by, by the author of the ESV, and he changed it a little bit, which is a little bit disheartening, and he said that that was the, to show the angels the manifold wisdom of God. But that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's talking about what Brad expressed last week, the principalities and the power. He's talking about not heaven as in the place we're going to. He's talking about the third heaven, the spiritual realm where things take place. That's what Paul's writing about. Sorry, the second heaven. The second heaven. That's what Paul's writing about. He's not talking about it's going to show the angels who are in the throne room of God. That's not who he's talking about. He's talking about the principalities and the power. So if you read that again, it says, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of mysteries hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through us, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. It's our job. This is what Paul's saying. It's our job to make known the multifaceted wisdom of God to the principalities and the powers. Do you know why it's that? Because of what we saw earlier. Because God has, Jesus has placed himself in us and us in him. That when we walk, we walk with the authority carrying the manifold wisdom of God. I don't know that you got it. I'll say it again. 
We are carrying the manifold wisdom of God in us. That should blow us away as a church. That should blow us away to say, God, if I'm not allowing your manifold wisdom to flow through me into the situations that I'm in, into my workplace, into my creative realm, into my family, into the things that I have, if your manifold wisdom is not coming through me into that place, something's wrong because that's what I'm here to do. Now the whole job changes about the fact that it's not as your job as a Christian is just come on a Sunday morning and to just do the two-hour thing and then go home. It's your job to take the manifold wisdom of God into the principalities and powers, the places that, that don't want to know what it is because they're incredibly frightened by it and express God in those places. That's what we're here to do. That's our job as Christians. So when we hear Brad talking about the, the spiritual realm and the things that are over our cities, how do we break that? We simply go in and we just stand there and say, this is who my God is. Like he was saying, we go to that place and we pray to God and say, God, show me the manifold wisdom that you have for this area. It's really that simple, that that wisdom is already inside us. I was chatting with a friend in the States and we were, we were doing a, a podcast about um, virtual reality church and a few different things. And this guy that we were interviewing made an incredible point. He said, every area... He was talking specifically about art, but I think you can open it up. Every area should be operated in the fullest by a Christian. Our architects, our TV presenters, our filmmakers, all of those areas should be fulfilled by places of Christians. Why? Because we have access to the manifold wisdom of God to see Him outworked in those areas. So when we go into a place and we see something like like a Steve Jobs who creates something that changes the entire world, we go, what in the world? How did he just come up with that? You see, the principalities and the powers, the, 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 the dark parts that isn't the kingdom, they also are operating in a, in a wisdom that's beyond us. And let me tell you, they're leaking secrets and showing things and revealing things and allowing people to have insight. That's why we see people lean more towards that side because they want to know more. But imagine if a generation rose up that said, okay, God, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a politician. Why you would want to do that, I don't know. But if, if you went to uni and you said, God, I'm going to be a politician, show me your wisdom. Every day I'm going to seek your manifold wisdom. If we had lawyers, every day, God, I'm going to seek, I'm going to press your manifold wisdom. When I go into that courtroom, I want you to come through me out into that place. If we had TV presenters, movie stars, in all of these places, people seeking what Paul's talking about here, the manifold wisdom of God that's already inside us, imagine how our world changes. You go into a situation at work and you say, I don't know, my boss is an absolute lunatic. I can't get anything across. Hey, have, you, have you gone to God and saw him on this and that manifold wisdom that's already inside you? No, I haven't. How about you start there? Let's start there and just see what happens. Hey, my, my, my marriage is breaking down. I, my, my, my kids are, are in disarray. Have you gone and sought the manifold wisdom of God to come out of you into that section? Because it's already in you but you're not, you're not tapping into it. I can't remember who it was, but it was 
I think it, it might have been Mike, maybe. Maybe it wasn't, I don't remember. But it, they were talking about the fact that they use this analogy that when we get saved, it's like getting an open-ended credit card. When we get saved, we, we have access to this open-ended credit card. And what we go ahead and do with that credit card is we put it in our top drawer beside our bed and we shut it and we never access it. And we leave it alone. And then we go about our days and we go, flip, man, I'm broke. I, I wish that I could buy that, but I can't. And we forget entirely about the credit card that's sitting in our side drawer. That's what it's like in the kingdom of God. And I don't mean just financially. I mean in the manifold wisdom of God to speak into a situation. I'll tell you a story that's a challenging story for me because it, it, it was a difficult time for my best mate. But it showed me something of this manifold wisdom of God that I'll never, ever lose. My best mate had been married for about three months. Three months, I think. And I got a phone call from him. I had not long been really, really seeking God. And I got a phone call about nine o'clock at night. And he lives in my hometown about two hours away. And he said, bro, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm free. He says, no, I need to see you. I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm free tomorrow. He said, no, I'm on my way. I said, okay, it's nine o'clock. And he says, I'm going to be there in 10 minutes. So I said, okay, come, we'll, we'll chat. So I'm thinking, Flip, what can this be? He was, the last I saw him, things were great. He was in a fantastic place. He comes, we go up to the roof to talk, and within 30 seconds, no pleasantries, no how you're going, what's going on. Within 30 seconds, he says, my wife's left me. I didn't know what to do. I hadn't met Jess at that point. I was a single guy. I was battling through. I didn't say anything. For about 30 seconds, I prayed in tongues. In my head, I said, God, you've got to speak here. You've got to. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say to this guy. I just wanted to cry and hug him. God came over me in a way I've never, ever seen in myself. And just I just started spewing out things. I spoke for like an hour and he just listened. And I'm in my head, I'm thinking, Flip, I need to take notes on some of this stuff. Like, I'm, I, I'm, I wanted this recorded so I could listen back. I went away. He drove home. I, I didn't want him to. I said, you need to stay. He says, I have to go home. So he drove home and I went downstairs and just burst into tears. I just said, God, what was that? What was that that I just saw? That was the manifold wisdom of God. That's what we have access to all the time. That's what we can step into and God can say, my son, I got this. Now, I, silly me, didn't think anything happened. He rang me the next day. He said, bro, that, that's changed the way I'm looking at this situation. That's changed something for me. And you know, I, I said to him a few days later, hey, bro, did you go and see? And there was a church leader at the time he was going to. I said, did you go and see him? I said, yeah, bro, you know what he did? I said, what? He said, he just cried. He sat there for an hour. He didn't say anything. He just cried. And in myself, I thought, Flip, that's what I wanted to do. That was my fleshly choice as well. I was like, I just want to cry. But when we actually, when we actually understand that we can, we can operate from a place of the manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God, everything changes. 
Because there's not a situation that we can't go into that we can't climb up on. There's not a a giant that we can't go to that's going to have the beat on us because we have the creator of the universe flowing through us into that situation and changing the way we see things. When a generation, when a church understands this, man, we will have an incredibly different place because our doctors, our surgeons, our, our media responses will operate from a place of kingdom in honor in fullness and in the wisdom of god i watched an interview this morning because i i don't know why i just watched it this morning and it made me feel sick it was so awful it was so there was no honor there was no no anything and and they were they were interviewing our prime minister and there was not an ounce of honor for the man regardless of what you think of him and i thought there's no kingdom in that None. Now, the guy who was interviewing doesn't claim to, to be a Christian and he doesn't claim to, to operate in this thing, but it got me thinking, imagine if we could get the, the leaders of our country together and operate out of the manifold wisdom of God. Man, now we're cooking with a bit of gas. It changes. It changes the way we operate as a people. This was according to the eternal purpose Ephesians 3 verse 11. This was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence access with confidence into the manifold wisdom of God. Why? Because that's my dad. I get to go in there because that's my dad. That's my place where I get to go and receive from him because that's my father. Hey, man, have you heard? Have you heard about my dad? Man, he's incredible. Let me show you some of who he is. That's our job as Christians. When it writes that our our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's because we don't have to fight the thing out like in the flesh. We can just go and say, man, I wish I could show you my dad. With, with confidence and with, with access. Have you, have you ever gone to somebody's house and their son or daughter shows you through their house? It's one of the best house tours you'll ever get because there's, there's confidence. This is, my, this is my home. These are my families. This is dad's room. Have you seen this? Let me show you what dad's got. We just looked after the, the Thornton kids for the weekend. And, you know, it was fascinating hearing stuff because whatever Dan says in that house is solid truth, no matter what it is. That's bottom line. No, you're wrong. Dad said this is right. And you're like, okay, fair enough. To the point that we were talking about Bow Desert being a uh, holiday destination. But the cool thing is, is that that's exciting because their kids know their dad. That's my dad. And what he says goes, and what he says, no matter how ridiculous, because it's Bow Desert, it goes. It goes. That's what we get to be and do as Christians. We've got to understand, A, that's why I say to guys, we've got to understand who our Father is. We've got to know how to worship God in the fullness and spirit and truth of who He is. Because then when we know who He is, He shows us and pours out on us as to who we are. And we get access to everything that he is. 
not for our own gain, but for His gain, to glorify Him and to move us forward into what He has for us. If I can challenge us on this, I want you to understand that you have, if you're born again, you have access to the manifold wisdom of God. And you can enter into that with boldness and joy and peace. And I don't mean that from a place of you can walk into a car sales place and say, I'll have that one, it's mine, go. Now, you may do that, you may think that's okay, and I'm not here to talk about that. But what I want to say is that in that spiritual realm, in that spiritual place, when you know you're fighting a battle, and, and trust me, all of us here know when we're fighting a battle. We know when stuff's not right. We know when we're hurting and we know when there's pain and suffering. We know when things are, are not going right. You have access into the keys, into the fullness of that understanding. You have the, if you play video games, you have the cheat sheet. You get to pull it up and do up, down, circle, triangle, and, and you get to move past that level. That's what we have access to, the whole manifold wisdom of God in those areas. Is that okay? Does that make sense? I just want to highlight one more thing in that. Paul says here in, in Ephesians 3, 7, Sorry, 310. So that through the church, through us, the manifold wisdom of God, I know I've said that 107 times, but until we really get it, I want us to know what I'm saying. Through us, it's, that's our job. You want to know how to disciple nations? It's through the manifold wisdom of God. You want to know how to speak to that lady in the shopping center? It's through the manifold wisdom of God. You want to know how to, to speak to your your sister-in-law or your brother or, or your neighbor or uh, operate in your workplace with a, a, a joy and authority. It's through the manifold wisdom of God. This is the key to fulfilling our call and mandate as a Christian, as, a body of, as the body of Christ, as a community. Why don't you stand and we'll pray and we'll go and drink coffee. Yeah, yeah. As Ben was sharing that, I just, I was, I just three, three quick things. Number one, or number, first one is the two combined. Who of you like reading? And if you don't like reading, start liking it because it's good to read stuff. But I want to, I want to suggest three, two books to you um, that will be so good and so perfectly in line with what Ben has said. The, fir the first one is called Of God and Guinness, and uh, it's about the Guinness Beer Factory and how it was started by a Christian family. Um, and what that, um, what that factory, that business, brought to the Irish community, um, how it completely transformed that community by doing things completely different to, to any other company that really honored and, and brought life to that community through, through, a, through one of the world wars, and um, how they sowed financially into the community and uh, to the people that worked in the community, and how he came up with the idea of even brewing the alcohol that they, that in, in, in Ireland they have a saying that, you know, a Guinness a day keeps a doctor away, because it's good for your, your digestive system, it's, it's something about the quality of it that's, that's medically and scientifically proven that it's actually healthy, obviously if you're going to drink a keg of it at night, the alcohol content's not going to be good for you, but, but, the, but the brew itself, if you had two, two, two pints of Guinness, 
what it does for your body and how it actually is quite healthy for you. And the, they, they actually reckon rather drink Guinness than go and drink any other alcohol or any, any other beer. Okay, um, and I always knew Guinness was a great beer, not because, not because I'm, I'm Irish heritage, but um, I didn't realize how, how much I liked it and why until I read this book, you know. Um, and I always felt good after drinking Guinness. I always felt like my stomach felt good, you know. Uh, the second book is called, it's by a guy called Gabe, G-A-B-E, Leon, which is L-Y-O-N, and it's called Next Christian. Um, it's a phenomenal book about being, being Christians, the, the generation of Christians in a post-Christian era in the West, right? And um, he gives testimonies of, of known people that you'll never know of. We've never heard their names, but how they've impacted just different areas of industry just by coming up with an idea, with wisdom, by making a step in the right direction. One young person planted a church in a business by going to the boss and asking if they can have a, if he personally could go and just pray. When the Twin Towers came down, he said, can I come and pray just over our office to an a, 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 um, atheistic boss who said, yeah, no, you can, which then turned into him praying through the, through the a business early in the morning before anyone came there to him having a prayer meeting every lunchtime or sorry, once a week in their office, uh, in the boardroom, where other, where other people in the building were coming to this prayer meeting, to him then planting this church of people coming to this building on a, on a, in a lunchtime break to actually worship and have a full sermon, to him then handing it over to somebody else and, and resigning to go and take on a job at another company to do exactly the same thing. Two books. And the third thing is... This week I read a testimony, by, it was actually a, it was an article um, written uh, where they interviewed the mayor of Redding, California. And they were giving attribute and, 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 uh, and honor and respect um, to what Bethel ha have actually done. And many people hear stuff written about Bethel. However, let's look at it like this. They've transformed the city of Redding. They've changed the economy of that city by having the school of ministry. They have all these international people coming taking up jobs, paying taxes, working in the city, okay? The city life has increased. Number two, there was a, um, one of the major buildings, I don't know if it's a cultural arts center or, or one of the main, the, the, the main library, whatever, needed an upgrade. Bethel Church took up an offering that fully paid for that. The second thing is during those fires that they've just had, Bethel Church gave $1,000 to every person affected by that fire, whether they were in their church or they weren't. Another thing they did, the city needed to lay off five police officers. Bethel Church decided that they would pay the salary of those five officers so they could stay in, 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 in employment. That is what we do. Now, Bethel is thousands of people, but it doesn't matter. They didn't start with thousands. In actual fact, it started with the vision of one man, Bill Johnson and his wife, Benny, so two people, who came there with a vision, took over a small church, lost half the church when they brought the move of the Spirit, but the church has now grown to become one of the most impacting churches. Reading, if any of you know Reading, California, why do you know about Reading, California? Because <laughs> I never heard of it in my life before. It's a small little place. There's absolutely nothing out there. It's, there's, there's no major economy in that area. However, there's now something that's changed through a small church. We could do the same on a smaller scale. We can. But you know where it comes from? Exactly what Ben was, or exactly what the Bible says. The manifold wisdom of God. 
and, and, and then us being able to take the opportunity. So I encourage you, go, go read those two books if you're interested and just have a look at it. But more than that, be, I, I want to encourage you, exactly what Benny's saying is, is in any circumstance, no matter how small it may be, it might be, how am I going to deal with the situation with my kid that's before me? The wisdom of God. How do I deal with my marriage? Wisdom of God. With my boss? The wisdom of God. With the school? Wisdom of God. Everything comes down to take time to ask God. He will show you. And who knows what comes out of it? None of us know. It might just be that things come good with your child. Or it might be that you end up actually changing the status of a city. I mean, we, we have no idea. But, but, the, but God has called each one of us to just walk daily in that wisdom. Why don't you stand? It's helpful. Why don't you stand? I want to pray for us. I want to, I want to in some regards, equip us. But it's not, I, I don't have any powerful things to equip, but God will equip. Who, who here owns their own business? Do we have, I know we've got at least two running their own business. Running their own business. Why, why don't you come to the front? And I'm going to have all of us pray for you. You know, Arn, Arn had no idea what I was going to preach on this morning. He shared a testimony about the operation of his own business. He shared a testimony this morning about him in a dark place taking the light of Christ. That's phenomenal. He put in that lady's head a thought different than she'd probably ever had before, whether it was hostile or not. Arn challenged her in a place that she's probably never, ever seen or thought about. We have a, four people in this room who are operating in a, in a business sphere that God has given them a download for. God has given them a, an understanding and a clarity, and as a body, I want us to pray for them. And then I'll pray for all of us, because we all are operating in a sphere or a place within the city. But take this. Take this. Go home and read this verse, please. Don't just take my word for it. Go home and, and read this verse. Go over it again and again and again. And then close your door and ask God to show you who he is in this. And every time you meet a problem, every time you meet an exciting time, every time you go into a situation, ask God, show me your manifold wisdom. So why don't you come forward, Josh, just want to come over. Why don't you just lay hands, gather. Let's just pray. Let's just pray for these guys to operate. You can come forward and lay hands, everybody. Come on. Come on. As a church, as a family, I'm not going to just pray for them. We stand with them as, as family members. We stand with them as a body. They are operating on a vision and a call from God. So why don't you just begin to pray?